David is at currently definite the fave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, y'all don't hype me up. Don't hype me up. <laughs> He's jealous much. That is all not, good. I am not jealous much or much jealous. You know what it is? On as I'm looking on here, okay, we're gonna get to it, guys. But when I look on here, it feels kind of dark. Like when you look at the live, it, it looks you know, dark. You do keep your phone pretty dark, the screen. No, I know, but it's pretty light. I, I, see? I feel like it's kind of dark. What do you guys think? I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So I already have, I already feel your vibe. This is going, this to, come is back. going to, to come be, back. this is not going to be a smooth train ride. <laughs> This is going to not going to be a smooth no, flight. I already it. feel your vibe okay. because everything is off. everything is off. Right. Everything is but off it's because you switched. Me, it's just me just adjusting to new something new. So it takes me a minute. But it's okay. I'm here. We rocking with it. We rolling with it. Okay. All right. So we need to sing a song or something? Kumbaya? No. I, okay. I can sing if you want me to. No. We good. <laughs> So I don't know if you want to go ahead and introduce our, or, or I should, because you're, this is kind of like. No, this is our thing. It's your thing. It's Carlene plus it's Jamie. It's our thing. But I feel like last week was, I feel like I was talking a lot more because it was about something I experienced. Now this week, I feel like this is something that you experienced. Um, and so I'm pretty much, you're taking the lead in it. So it's all good. So, um, so you guys saw the flyer or last week we were talking about just a recap. We're just talking about um, how I attended a conference called Glory Conference and how it has really um, opened my mind and not opened my mind, but allowed me to, um, for that thirst that I've been having for some time for it to be, um, I won't say that it's quenched, but it's, it's, it's feeding uh, the the soul is feeding. It fed my soul in a very in, amazing way, and so we were just talking through about you know um, what it is that I'm on in terms of like what it is I feel that I'm being called to, that or yeah, how I feel like my my thirst for God and His Word is like it's like I. I don't want to do the ordinary anymore. I want to either create a space, as Jamie um, mentioned, create a space where um, I can really uh, be, where God can be able to quench that thirst, right? And so we were just talking through some things in terms of like, for me, church, the way that the model, how it's set up, right, is just not, it's not doing, it's not doing it for me. And so... Um, Jamie made mention in that very same episode that, you know, about the show and the theater and all the things. And so today he's going to go on ahead and talk through some of the things that he's experienced in his 15 plus years of uh, pastoral ministry. And so, again, this is always going to I feel like this is the disclaimer that that I feel like we always need to have in our, in, in this, on this platform is not everything that we talk about is for everyone. Not everything we talk about, um, may necessarily speak to you. It's okay to log off. It's okay to be like, yo, I'm good. I've heard enough. Um, but really the intent of this conversation is just to 
um, not to disrupt, disrupt, but it's just to speak truth to what we already know. It's nothing. This may be something new for maybe some of you, but honestly, if you've been an Adventist, um, you pretty much are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you've, well, if you've been at, for this episode, if you've been an Adventist pastor, but for in general, yeah, in general for our show, you pretty relate to what we talk about. In some way you can relate to uh, what we have conversations about. And I also want to add that we don't speak on behalf of anybody. Nah. We only speak our truth. This is all yeah, Carlene and just Jamie. Us, our experience. This isn't, uh, this isn't uh, like we're speaking on the behalf of anyone yeah, like, or like, anything. Like, like we're not going to come out and say, you know, they said or we said, mm-hmm. we, we'll go, I said. Or like I believe in owning your statements and just speaking from your own own perspective. So that's pretty much, I think if you've been with us for how long we've been doing this for now, like two years? I think it's almost three years. Three we've years it's since the pandemic yeah, started. Yeah, since right? the pandemic. So you kind of already know mm-hmm. how we roll and how we rock and all that other stuff. So, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's just us talking. That's it. Just us talking. Just us talking. And you listening. And you talking back because yeah, y'all in the we comments. Like that. Yeah, we, we like right. when you guys are in the comments because it lets us, yeah, all the things. But mm-hmm. all right. So yes. go on ahead and. So thank you for the introduction. You're welcome. So today's episode, tonight's episode is really in reaction to what you were saying last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why in reaction to it, because all of the things that you were expressing about authentic worship and, you know, just how you felt in that space and how there are times when, you know, you've been in church and you haven't had that. You haven't had the experience that you had when you went to go see Jackie Hill Perry um, in your regular church that you attend from week to week. Right. I would say that. I've experienced that kind of service. Mm-hmm. Before, I think that where I am in terms of my walk with God, when I talk about my walk, where I am with God, um, I don't feel it's a bit uncomfortable to be in the space where it just feels like business as usual, or it just feels like this is what we do. It's routine. Like we stand up, we sit down, we did, did we do, it's like, <laughs> we do all, we do those things. And my response is more or less like, I'm tired of it. Like right. I, I just want something different. Right. I just want something that is a little bit more um, meatier, something that's meat where, where it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just want something more. Um, and I'm not expecting necessarily for the church to provide that, right? Because the responsibility, I think, in terms of our Christian walk, the responsibility is really on us. The accountability is really on us to kind of navigate those those paths where we feel like, okay, we need more. So I'm not going to sit in a church talking or complaining that I need more, and I just do nothing about it. Okay, got Boom. So... Confession, right? This the title of the episode is These Are My Confessions. So I'm gonna start with confession number one. Confession number, one number one, I was feeling some type of way while you were talking last week. Mm. 
that's good. That's so good. The reason that's why good. I was feeling some type of way is because number one, I'm a pastor. Uh-huh. Number two, um, you know, and as pastors, I mean, as much as well, no, let me not say as pastors. As a pastor, there is always this level of competition that's within me when I hear you being fed by somebody else. Or even mm. if another member just comes up and it's like, yo, such and such was, this was amazing and this was that. And it particularly too, if it's something that I know that I've know that I've been talking about or I've mentioned, and it's like, you're receiving this fresh revelation. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting there like, man, am I chopped liver, right? Like, mm. like you know, am I chopped liver? Am I, am I not meeting the standard? Am I not... Am I not able to create or to, through the Holy Spirit, to quench the thirst that you have? Mercy. Right. So I'm sitting there. And so then I think like I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, like, you experienced such a spiritual high because it was different, Mm -hmm. because it was new and it was you listening to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And my brain is thinking about, okay, let's see that mimicked every week. Right. Like I do feel that, you know, and this is just like the maybe the hater in me or, you know, that human part of me is mm-hmm. like Jackie Hill Perry spoke at the glory conference and I'm not taking anything away from what she did or what she said. Mm-hmm. I heard the sermon. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there were also a lot of bells and whistles that I believe that also amplified what she was saying to make it to make it more. To make the experience, the whole experience better, right? Mm-hmm. The whole experience of quenching your thirst. And so I'm always sitting there like, I feel like if I had that big that big stage, if I had that praise team, if I had all of those things, then, you know, parts of me feels like I would be heard more or taken more seriously or go viral, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, let me see her do it again. Right. Like, like I felt like that was a one and done kind of thing, which is good. We all need that. Right. That's why Mm -hmm. we do these big conferences. That's why we, you know, we do, um, we do camp meeting. Right. Right. Cause you know, it's a, it's a production of sorts, right. It's a production of sorts Uh where you have people in place, but I want to say this, that the conference that I went to did not there was there was the conference that I went I was already in a thirst mentality where I was like reading the Lord reading God's word and talking and praying and and doing those things that conference just kind of gave me like it's almost like a an injection of sorts like a boost like mm-hmm. ooh that felt good that that ooh I love this right mm-hmm. so it's not the it's not the, the 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 person. It's almost like it's like a high. I just got a high. I just got it was like a fix. Not that I want this fix every single every single week. I just literally just what just felt like I needed to be in a space like that with other believers, women in particular, who are all are also very thirsty. And they're intentional about that thirst. They're like, I'm craving it. Like I'm here. The fact that I've paid this money, like I'm here because I want to quench this thirst. Um, uh, That is why, right? I don't Mm. want that every week. Mm. Okay. So 
Confessions, right? Confessions. Yeah. So as a pastor, I feel like, or the pressure I feel is that I have to create that every week Mm -hmm. because I assume that's what members are longing for, Mm. right? So there is that pressure of, you know, man, praise team got to be on point. This got to be on point. And then the overarching ultimate pressure that I always face is the sermon. Mm -hmm. Like my sermon has got to be hitting. Mm -hmm. It has got to be, it's got to be all that, even though it's spirit led, like there's, there's still like some flesh within there, right? Say that. Um, because the, the flesh that. in me wants validation. The mm-hmm. flesh in me wants to know like, yo, you preached a good word. The mm-hmm. flesh in me doesn't want to hear when we get in the car after I preach, how you think you did today, right? <laughs> like the flesh in me wants to hear you say, yo, that was a word, mm-hmm. right? Because you're working so hard in it. And so I think, you know, as a pastor, as being a pastor, like, I think that for some people, and this is all in my brain, right? I don't know, that there are some people that I believe that think preaching and pastoring is easy. Right? Like, I have a friend that compares it to basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to watch basketball, but it's a different thing to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's a science. Mm-hmm. And so preaching every week mm-hmm. And trying to come up with a message to people who have been studying the word Mm. for all their life Mm -hmm. and they come and they want you to say something different than what they've already heard. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's that's the kind of pressure I walk into or I approach every sermon or every week. It's Mm -hmm. like, yo, what illustration I'm gonna come up with? What um uh, how I'm gonna preach? How I'm gonna preach the the woman with the issue of blood differently? And I know that you know, um, it's 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 the uh, what is it that every time you read the word you see something different? Yeah. Yes, that is true. Every time you read the word with the spirit led, but there is so much, and and maybe it's not you know maybe it's not for everybody else, but I know for me there is like this pressure I feel from week to week to mm-hmm. perform. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to emphasize that word perform, mm-hmm. not to minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pressure that I put on myself to perform because I honestly feel like if I don't perform well, then I'm going to lose my audience mm-hmm. to whomever is performing better than me. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the honest, the, the honest uh, confession is I do a lot of looking at what other people are doing mm-hmm. and trying to measure up with that or trying to, trying to, you know, be the, the not the best, but not better than, it's kind of weird to describe it because I'm in no way trying to like hate on anybody else, like my friends that are pastors or that preach or whatever. Like, I love what they're doing. I celebrate what they're doing. I love listening to them preach. But it's like this indirect feeling that comes across me that feels like I should be doing better or why I can't preach like that. Mm. Why I don't got people look turn tuning in to hear me preach. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm dope, like I'm a good speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I not invited? 
or here or to do this or to do that. And that's like that war that is constantly inside of me to fight against my flesh to say like, look, as long as I'm doing what God's doing, that I got to be okay with it, that I got to rock with it. But there is that level of insurmountable pressure to, and here it is, to voluntarily put yourself on the stage mm-hmm. to be judged every week. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, 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 like walking around with that. Like this week, I am voluntarily <laughs> putting myself on the stage <laughs> to be judged or to be the conversation yeah. at some table mm-hmm. directly after church. Wow. 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 And, that, and it's a lonely job. Yeah. It's a very lonely job because you really can't, who do you talk to? Right? Who do you confess to? You can't, and it's, and it's just, it's just sometimes this lonely job mm. in regards to who do you talk to? Who do you confess to? Because sometimes you also generate this paranoia of fear of who you talk to. Because you're not sure. Yo, um, you're not sure how they might use it against you. You're not mm-hmm. sure how, um, you know, how it may come back to bite you, to haunt you and things like that. So I think that that pressure to perform, that pressure to, to, to get the baptisms, that pressure to raise the tithe. There's like all of that stuff that's, that I feel that blocks true ministry. Mm. That we have to worry about creating, mm-hmm. you know, this 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 toxic environment that that out. Let me just let me say just honestly, true confession for me. There are moments or times where I feel like a clown when I'm on stage. Wow. Yeah, like I've preached sermons, and in my head, I'm like. <laughs> I'm ready to sit down. <laughs> as soon as I open my mouth, I'm like, like I'll right, turn your Bibles I, How to do I get to the end of <laughs> this, this sermon right now? And there's sometimes where I feel like I'm a clown, like yelling and screaming up there because sometimes I feel like, is this really impacting people? Mm. Am I really making a difference? Am I really saying that's causing, creating a change? Or am I just continuing to feed a, a um, uh, what is it, a redundant... Um, a redundant scratch, right? That's like, mm. oh, if the music was hot, if the word was got hot, that was a good sermon. We had a mm. good day. But is there really change and difference in people's lives? Right. I don't know if there is a measure of such other than people's characters, right, being changed or... Um, I think a lot of times how success is, mar- uh, is is measured in church is by those things. Is the praise team hot? Is the preaching hot? Are the pews filled, right? Do we have a full where we have to have, where we have to pull out um, chairs to be able to um, accommodate those people? Like clearly this 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 heat that you're feeling in the in the in the first week of say for instance you just started a church everybody's there it's full it's packed right and so next week you got to make sure you come back with the same thing and even better because you want it to be packed you want so it's like parts of you are are it's it's like where does the 
where does the, because at the same time you're human, right? And so you're fighting the flesh, right? The flesh is like, yo, people are here because of me, right? Or I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I could imagine like people are here because of me or because of what's happening in the space that I'm trying to create. And people are, are kind of, um, I don't know, like they want that high too. So they, so they show up every week because they, they're feeding that high. But for you, you're just like, yo, how do you balance the, the ministry part of it where it's like, I'm here because I truly want to see lives changed. However, it, at the same time, I feel like I have to perform. And sometimes when I perform, I feel clown. I feel like a clown because it's almost like, like a clown performs. Like it's like he does his show. Yeah. And after he does his show, he goes on ahead and gets in his little car and just drives off. Yeah, you might as well play the music like. Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, man, there are times like the more, the more I do it, the more the crowd likes it, right? The more it's enjoyed. So, you know, there are those moments and those things that, um, that I wrestle with, that mm-hmm. I battle with, that I contend with from a week to week basis. And, you know, there's like there's like two things, right, that that I believe that measures me as a pastor, as a commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sometimes how I feel like a commodity. And that is you either got to have a packed church or you got to be baptizing people every week. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't have those two things, mm. then your ministry is almost deemed as a failure, mm. right? Like, like if your if your your pews ain't filled, yeah. if there ain't chairs being put down, then I'm sorry, you ain't got it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that as you don't have it. If your if your pews aren't filled and your chairs are not, you still have it. You have what it takes to do ministry. But sometimes I feel like there's that pressure. To to pack out a church, mm-hmm. so you know you got I got that pressure to pack out a church, and then I got to preach not what I want to preach sometimes or how I want to preach it, but to preach what I think what will pack out the church to get the praise team that will pack out the church, and so I am I'm always battling between quantity versus quality, mm-hmm. right? So. You know, and so like it's it's real hard to navigate in a space after you know you look at you look at Best Buy and you just a mom and pop uh, electronic shop. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to outdo Best Buy, and and the honest reality is people are gonna go to Best Buy before they go to a mom and pop electronic shop. You're gonna have few people that are gonna say yeah. I want to go to a mom and pop electronic shop, but Best Buy is going to attract all of the customers because they got all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You're right. I want to go to the comment section because it's like some really good stuff in there that uh, people are, that people are, um, the folks are talking about. Um, man. Okay. So let's go with um, uh, Gamal, he says that the same people who won't help me create a breakthrough environment are the same people who will compliment other services. It's frustrating. It's so <laughs> it is it is so hard not to take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's particularly too when you a person that's really trying your hardest, really trying to do what you can do, 
And that when you're really, and then you have to do it by yourself. Like, and you're doing the best you can. It is hard, very hard not to take it personally. And I mean, we're having confessions. You know, the amount of times I go into a spiral. Yeah, for sure. Like, spiral, like spiral into a cave. And I don't know how many times <laughs> you could you probably be a millionaire probably. with the amount of times I told you I'm ready to quit. Oh yeah. I'm done. Every I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to be a fireman. I'm done. I'm finished. Mm-hmm. I'm through. And that's let me say, I want to say this. Ministry shouldn't be like that. Yeah. The reason why some ministers are saying they're done and they're finished, I feel like those shouldn't be the reasons why they should say I'm done and I'm finished. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, I don't think those are the reasons why. When you, when you sometimes do ministry, there is this, here, th- there's this feeling sometimes of lack of support mm. because nine times out of 10, the people who like what's going on, they usually, they'll tell you every now and then and you'll feel it. But it's that 1% that complains. Mm. It's that Talk 1% that. That, 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 just, that just tries to pull people together to go against you. It's that 1% that always speaks the loudest. Mm-hmm. And it gets to you. They, mm-hmm. And they know it gets to you because that's why they do it. And they continually pick at you, pry at you, nonstop. And particularly, too, in the Seventh-day Adventist church, with the way they know our system, they will wait you out. Yep. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> they will wait you out. They will sit there and they'll be like, I know you ain't going to be here forever. Yep. So I ain't leaving because I know you're going to leave before I do. And they will wait you out. So, man, shout out to all my brothers and sisters who've been in their church for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you make it over 10 years, you Teflon Don. <laughs> like, that's what's up. I also think that, I think in at the Adventist culture, uh, being a pastor in a church for 10 years or more, it's kind of like unheard of. Like, it's a not, like you're an anom- mm. anomaly. anomaly. There it is. I had to cut that thing out. Um, and so I think... When we think about other denominations, um, and you could probably speak to it a little bit more, uh, other denominations, they stay longer, but there is this, like, they have support. Like, it seems as though, like, they're not just one pastor pastoring, you know, the church, I guess, depending on the size, but it just seems as though that there's a little bit more support and there's a little bit more of something that I feel like sometimes we lack as uh, Adventists. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of so like we don't know because we're not in, there. in other denominations. But I know from people that I've spoken to, you know, I think like it's just I, I'll say I think that it is a general consensus in regards to what I'm expressing across the board. If you work with people, mm-hmm. right? If your job is is really hands on working with individuals every day. Um, Apart from teachers, because I'm sure if you were to do a true confession as a teacher, you'd probably have, we'll probably share some similarities when you have to deal with parents Mm -hmm. and certain parents that have certain expectations and all that stuff. Right. But like, you know, apart from some other jobs that are dealing with people, you know, at least you get compensated. 
<laughs> at right. a rate. You know, to, sometimes you look, you can look at your bank account and be like, yeah, it's tough, but at least I got a little money I can <laughs> right, go right, do. Right, I can right, do, right, right. take a nice little vacation. Right, right, right. I can, I can put a little, I could, I could do first class or business class. <laughs> I don't got to sit by the engine <laughs> next to the bathroom, you know, something like that. So, you know, there's, there's that thing that balances. But I think what's also frustrating is this, uh, this understanding or this, um, this unspoken rule in regard to like, because you're a pastor, you should be poor. <laughs> or like you're a pastor, you should be humble. Struggle. Right. You should, you should struggle. struggle. <laughs> you should struggle. <laughs> and you, you should not be driving no fancy car. Oh, look nope. at the pastor driving a fancy car, dressed in the nice suits and all of that stuff. Not saying that you got to be lavish. Right. And you know, you, you are, you out here wearing, uh, what's, what's expensive? Gucci or Balenciaga. Yeah. Gucci suits <laughs> and all that other stuff. But like, you know, that, that's also a misnomer, misunderstanding. Um, man, so much. Uh, so definitely Gamal is in the comments and he's like going very much <laughs> in turn. He's going in, in terms of like, um, saying a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, I wanted to go to the, co- uh, the, he said that there's a pressure to perform from people who don't even appreciate the performance from week to week. Mm. My God. Um, he mm. says you preach hard each week. And yet when the Facebook posts about people's favorite pastors are, who the who the uh, people's Facebook pastors are, you will never be recognized. And as human beings, no one wants to be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, it's like this. It's like this is the stuff that nobody, t- no one talks about. About to about to get real, like whatever. This is the stuff no one talks about. Right. And there's just so much more, right? But at the very onset of of pastoral ministry. You know, these are the things that, you know, you've you've experienced from jump. And and I think that I think to Gary's point, Gary said something like, oh, my gosh, he says that I I also think some people have a gift for preaching and should be doing that. I think people are administrators and their job is to make sure the church's money and music and outreach are good. Right. Mm -hmm. So speaking to the giftings of, of pastors, I think. I think for for too often, it's it's this one size fits all kind of thing, and I was we were talking today about in the educational space, we do not or or you try not to have a one size fits all mentality where you tailor the lesson or you tailor the plan specifically to that child and their needs, right? I feel like how the system has been set up is as a pastor, you become jack of all, jack or Jane of all trades, right? Your, your capacity or your gifting may not be in the administration um, realm. It may be, be in the speaking realm or it can be in the visitation realm, right? And I think there's some conferences that are probably leaning towards that. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not on, in, on the circuit like that, but I'm just saying like, it would be nice to be able to say, okay, I have this pastor who seems to have a gifting in this and maybe it's a lack of resources or it's a lack of how the money is spent and it's not allocated for that, for that matching of um, congregations where it's like, yo, this congregation definitely needs a person like this. 
do you have the skill set to be able to um, uh, uh, to be able to grow the church? And it doesn't have to necessarily be in number. Right. We're always attached to this number, like the, the bigger the number, it means that the, 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 the message or it means that um, that that people are people's lives are changed. That's not necessarily an indication. Right. An indicator of that, because we we baptize thousands of people. Are those same thousands of people in the pews? Right. Right. So, again, I think if we speak, if we lean more into the gifting of the pastor, maybe that pressure won't be there. Be like, yo, maybe you're gifting. Right. Even though you may be do, may, even though you may do really well in this area, may you, maybe your gifting is organizational uh, yeah. planning or yeah. something. But it just seems as though like it's it's. Some people enjoy pastoring like people. I believe that God has gifted some people on this earth to natch, to just to, 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 to take on, to do all the things. Right. And I feel like it's more like the old school pastors. Maybe there are some new school pastors who are just like, yo, they love pastoring in that sense of all that comes with it. They just really love it. Yeah. There, there's some that love it. There's some that don't. Um, do I love it? Um, parts of it, not all of it. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parts that I struggle with. There are parts that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't share publicly because because I don't think it's really necessary. But I will say that the I will say that there there I think there facts. How do I? Say? There is a capitalistic structure within the church, within mm-hmm. Adventism, right? And mm-hmm. that capitalistic structure really depends, you know, at the end of the day, money. The bottom feeds the top, right? So I do feel like there is that pressure. There are like three things that I feel like that are that that I'm always looking at myself and I'm always judging my ministry based on these things because this Confession. is what I get, right? And so that is how much tithe. My church is bringing it like every mm. month. I have to look at that tithe number. And if I see a percentage decrease and it mm-hmm. keeps on decreasing, best believe I'm probably going to get a phone call or I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. If the church isn't packed, right? So and it goes back to like, if your church is packed, then why is your tithe so low, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're not baptizing, baptizing, baptizing. a lot of people. So mm-hmm. if you want to get more tithe, then you baptize more people because mm-hmm. people give. So it's... I mean, like all jobs at the end of the day, and that's why I'm not like too mad at it or it is what it is. Unfortunately, it's performance based. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's based on those those things that you perform. And so just like any other job, if you're not if you're not killing it or you're not maintaining in those areas, then you are going to say at some point. Well, I am going to say at some point that maybe I'm not called to this. Mm. Whew, there's so much to unpack. Right. And maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe this, this is where, maybe this is not where I belong. Wow. So where is the line drawn? So this is, this is what has always tripped me out. And you know this. This is what has always tripped me out. How I remember when we first got married and I just used to be like, oh my gosh, we're going to church. 
We're going to go to church together. Like we're about to go worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, bow bow down before him. Like what? Like we're going to do this together. And I'll never forget, like you were like, not you were like, you kept saying like every time you'd be like, yo, I'm going to work. Like it's a job. Like I'm going to work. And I used to feel so offended (laughs) that this man who has been called to ministry that he would say that going to to church, right? Because in my mindset, in my, my my view, church is something that I go to read the Bible. I mean, not read the Bible, but you know, the preaching, the all the things, right? And so I'm just like, yeah, oh my gosh, like yeah, this is not work. This is church. Like we're going to be with the Lord. How could you say that going to be with the Lord is work? Not until maybe about a few years after. I understood that when he goes to church, he's not going to church the same way I'm going to church. I'm going to church to enjoy all the things for him. He is almost like the, I don't know, like the, 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 the CEO of a volunteers of volunteers. And you're walking into a space and you're, you're pretty much just making sure that it's the right experience for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I used to be so offended, but not until like, I really understood, I started to see and understand like, yeah, this is a job. It feels like work. This is not a, a I'm going to church experience. And so my question is like, where does the, We know how to spiritualize a lot of things, right? In the name of whatever. Mm -hmm. Where is that like line that's drawn where you go from the line that's drawn where you go from what's spiritual to what's now like, now this is an organization, a capitalistic organization that's needing these, these things. Like where is the line does that make sense? My question. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think the line. I think the the pastor. I have to draw the line where I have to really be intentional about doing what God calls me to do, the way that I feel led by the Spirit to do it. Now, this is where the challenge comes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We got these. Uh, Apple just did this update, so they do all these gestures. So if you go like this. It does thumbs up. So I, we have to, I have to stop doing that. Okay. Yeah, this is the new update. <laughs> We're going to fix that. But um, there, is, there is that pressure because, heck, I forgot what I was going to say, where the line is drawn. Yes. So I have to decide for myself, not for myself, with prayer to lead the way the spirit leads, but I also have to lead in a compassionate and gracious way that I just can't go in and flip over tables to create authentic ministry because there is not only there, particularly to when you're in big churches or you're in established churches, there's a system in the way that they do things, right? So when, when you go into established churches, some, some established churches don't see the assignment of the new pastor as a blessing to them. Some of them see it as you're being blessed by being able to pastor this church, Mm. right? And so, you know, you have the powers that be. And so you got to move like a politician, Mm -hmm. right? You got to know who to talk to, who not to talk to, 
who to get along with and how to move. And, you know, at the end of the day, go up on the stage and be political mm. more than being pastoral. So, you know, those, those are also those other challenges that I faced in ministry and just, you know, just navigating and moving different spaces is that I want to be able to create a church or atmosphere that is, okay, boom. I get an example. Remember okay. when I was at um at City Temple and mm-hmm. I used to do courageous conversations mm-hmm. where I would um invite people with stories to sit on the stage and we mm-hmm. would just have a conversation, almost like a podcast yeah. sitting. Man, there were so many people that enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. That were like, wow, I never knew that. That was wonderful. That was different. That mm-hmm. was great. And then I would start getting emails from people that would say, you know, it's unfortunate that the church was held hostage to sit down and have to listen to somebody talk. Mercy. Right? Or... Uh, that's not for the Sabbath morning hour. Mercy. That is for the evening or that is for AY. Nobody wants to do that. Okay, so here it is. I'll, um, I'll shut down the church on a Sabbath to give out food in the community. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I'm saying to myself, it doesn't make sense to sit here every week to week and not be a blessing. And so let's shut it down. Let's go out there in the community. Well, I don't think we should be shutting down church to give our food in the community because we need to be having worship inside the building. And, you know, we can choose any other day or any other time to do that. What I'm trying to point out is that the roadblocks to do something different not only come from administration, but you got to deal with the people that show up from week to week to week. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's within me, I don't have the chutzpah. And sometimes I get into a I don't care attitude where it's like, I'm going to double down and keep doing what I'm going to do. It. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just makes me say, you know what? Bump this, man. Mm-hmm. Like, forget it. You know, let's just go to what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And... And we'll deal with whatever results. Mm-hmm. We don't want to pay. We don't want to pay for music, and we know that there's no way in 2023 right. you get musicians to play for play for free. Right? Oh, why we got to pay people? It's supposed to be volunteered. No, them them days of working for free are done. Yep. So it, it, it's this politician kind of moving, and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of pastors that out there that want to do some stuff, but they can't because They've been placed in the situation because we don't get to very rarely, very rare, do we mm. get to start churches from the ground up and build something new. Mm-hmm. We often walk into situations that are already established and that already have a way of doing things. And we have to adjust and pivot to fit within that system. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, okay, yeah, yeah, there's just so much. Um, First of all, going back to what, um, to what we said about um, the, the part of um, the job, Um, John Coxum Mm -hmm. says, definitely performance-based to the point that our services are not experiences with God. But religious entertainment, mm-hmm. slain. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's literally a theater. You have a stage. You have Mercy. a bulletin, a program outline. You have music, and 
you got to go up there and perform. Yes. Um, Gamal uh, agrees that this is a job. Um, Rodney says, Monday is my rest day, not Sabbath. I thoroughly enjoy worship every Sabbath, but it's not physical or mental rest. Um, Gamal says, I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to fellowship. I'm going to be lifted. I'm headed to work, period. Let me tell you something. After I finish preaching the sermon and I say the amen, I'm like, made it through another week. Got to get ready for the next week. Wow. I'm literally like, all right, got through this one. Oh, this flight, this flight was rough this week. (laughs) And then there's some weeks where the flight was smooth. Right. And there's some weeks where there's a whole lot of turbulence. And and then, you know, the best with the turbulence, and then you got folk coming up telling you a whole bunch of stuff. And you just like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want (laughs) to like, yeah. So that that's that's that part. Gotcha. Um Oh my God. So Gary says, um, some people are so traditional and don't understand why they do the things that they do. Also, um, uh, I think it's Rodney. He says, no, excuse me, David. He says, you can't please everyone. And those you do please today might not be pleased tomorrow. Right. So it's this balance of sorts that you really have to try to create almost like a, um, a equilibrium of, I don't know where it's like you you try as much to not give into either to to demands, but you also understand that this is a space where, you know, you want people to feel welcome. You want people to know that they're heard and all the things. But to what extent, to what point? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you. Do you draw the line and be like, yeah, thank you so much for that suggestion. Maybe next time we'll, I'll consider it. We'll consider it. Um, but I think that that pressure that you talked about, the, the thing that the heaviness that you feel like, you know, when um, in the good times where people are just like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And but in the times where people are just like <laughs> really really dragging you, you're just like, okay, God, maybe this is not something that you have called me to because this doesn't make sense. Like these are the same people that are lifting hands, praising God. And also with the biggest Bibles or with the biggest hats. And, and, and so it's almost like, you know, how do you, how do you try to humans are can sometimes be, we can sometimes be very awful. Yeah. And we can paint a picture that we are holier than thou, that we have, we know all the scriptures, but our behavior and how we treat other people is very, is contradictory and it does not, it does not match. Right. And so in those moments, when you hear the same people that are like quoting all them scriptures and all them doctrines, those are the people that are, literally tearing you down you just be like yo god like yeah and i'm gonna say this i'm not well i don't want to sit here and act like i haven't made mistakes or i haven't made bad decisions or decisions that i've regretted Mm -hmm. decisions that may have hurt other people in Mm -hmm. some way i'm gonna sit here and say that there is no decision that i felt that i've made during my pastoral ministry that was malicious Mm -hmm. that was like intently trying to hurt someone or or hurt something it was just in my you know maybe just in my years and not having years of experience or whatever or the best decision i felt like at that time 
uh, needed to, needed to be made. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm always doing everything right or I always got it together. Mm-hmm. I think I think what sometimes what's missing is grace, mm. right? Is forgiveness, is understanding or trying to understand understand that there is no malicious maliciousness within a decision that is made. Mm-hmm. And I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know for anybody else that we can't sit down and have a conversation about it so that we don't have to get into the space or the place where the pastor becomes the enemy and that, and then that person is mad and then they create other enemies. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, as a pastor, I've got, I got enemies that I don't even know are my enemies. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like I got, if you're talking to some people, you'd be like, yo, why you acting like that? <laughs> what did I do? Right. <laughs> you, you could come around smiling like, uh, and they just like, Happy Sabbath. <laughs> you like, okay. <laughs> you just walk away. So I don't want to paint that picture, but I do want to highlight the fact that I personally feel like the way we do church or the way church is looked at or viewed within the black experience, I have not experienced pastoring any other congregation that, you know, churches hurt people, mm-hmm. right? Um, churches can be toxic communities. Mm-hmm. Churches are full of hurt people that hurt people, mm-hmm. right? Like there are moments and times where I've been attacked and I felt so pressured or wanted to attack that person back. But I have to step back and realize the problem you have is not with me. Mm-hmm. You got a bigger problem. And that problem can be some issue you're dealing with at home or some issue that you're dealing with at work. But it's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's a say it's it's a you feel comfortable with coming at leadership. Mm-hmm. Right? You feel okay with putting down leadership mm-hmm. um, rather than dealing with your own issues. And as a pastor, that's another burden that we carry on our shoulders too, right? Of constantly being attacked and not being able to attack back, mm-hmm. right? How to restrain yourself, how to be diplomatic all the time, how to be, you know, uh, to be a politician, mm-hmm. right? And how to survive in those spaces. Yes. Um, Anderson says, I don't think the average church member sees the humanity of their pastor. They only see them as the, uh, as an authority figure, at least in Caribbean culture, they don't often respect authority or see. Yeah. And pastors walk a thin line. Um, and that thin line is you either going to be a pastor that's loved or a pastor that's hated. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, unfortunately in black churches, I feel like the pastor that's hated gets the most respect. Yeah. Like when you're loved, people, and when you're kind and nice, people walk all over you. Mm-hmm. People people do whatever they want to do. When a pastor that's hated, and that, that's like cutthroat, that does what it's, it's almost like they respond affirmatively to yeah. that. You know, sometimes, and I, sometimes I wish, like my personality type was the type to be like, we ain't doing that. I ain't listening to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
we shall not have puppets in the church. Right. There's abomination unto the Lord. Praise team? What is a praise team? You will not <laughs> sing. The, like sometimes, you know, I wish I had that person, but that's not my personality. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think this, I'll say this too. Uh, I think within the church that we don't make room for people's gifts and personalities. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and maybe I've, I've never been in administration where I've had to place pastors in certain spaces or situations. I don't know, but I don't know if we're actually making space for people's gifts and for their personality type mm-hmm. to really assess. Like we, and I don't think I've ever, no, I've never taken a personality test that was administered by um, ministerial association or anything like that. So I think there's also that difficulty because sometimes you'll put a pastor with a certain personality in the wrong church Facts. and that personality will clash mm-hmm. and it's disastrous. Yeah. Where at the end of the day, the casualty, yes, there'll be casualties that are members, but the pastor also becomes a casualty as well. Yeah, and I agree. She, he or she is done. Yeah. Done, done. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully maybe that will be the new move, the new thing that conferences are going to move towards actually having personality. Um, I think it's a few things. I think it's the personality matching the personality of the church. But I also think it's I also think it's like garnering garnering the the thoughts, uh, the ideas of the church. Mm-hmm. To say, well, hey, this is the vision. Because I think a lot of times you walk into churches and as you walk into churches as a pastor, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I got to say, yeah. like when you walk into a church with um, like a pastor, like you are walking in thinking that, you know, no, 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 that's not what I want to say. Like in, in regard, I'm going back. Sorry, I forgot what I was saying. In regards to like the personality of the pastor, like some people, some, some, some administrators would put you in churches that where you where you don't belong. Yeah, until you fix that. Fix it, but like, like you're like, with what? <laughs> you gotta give me tools. Can I get a can I get a screwdriver at least? Right, like they be like going in and fix that. So this was sorry. I remember what I was saying now. What I was saying is that this is something that I feel like is not talked about and it's missing. Pastors are there for only a short time. Members are there for a, a lifetime. A, a lifetime, right? These are these are people who have their family. Like this is generational, where where this is where their roots are, and so I think it's important for pastors to or, or for the ad, for administration to be able to say to like for them to be able for for members to be able to express like listen this is this is exactly what or the dynamics of our church right not tell them when the pastor gets there but this it's almost like a like a, a interview of sorts before placing a pastor be like hey so what's happening What's going on? What is your vision for the church? What's the mission and vision for the church? Because what happens is that churches go through these ebbs and flows of if a pastor is has some amazing vision and they're just like, yeah, we're moving forward in this way. Right. The church is like here. Then you have a pastor who 
completely, it's almost like a president, right? Like a, a president of the United States, like their entire vision mission is completely counterproductive. And now you've put this church in this dip of this kind of thing where it's like yeah. one moment they're up, the next minute they're down based on the leadership. And it should just be like a continuum where the pastor comes in and it's almost like a, okay, what, how can I meet your needs opposed to like a pastor coming in and saying like, this is what I have my vision for the church and this yeah. is what I want to well, see. But I feel like it should be a partnership where yeah. it should be something that everybody's working towards not this the pastor comes and changes the culture or tries to change the culture and yeah. then he's constantly fighting up he's always up against this i gotta change the i gotta change it because i want it this way not well, based on what the members are wanting well let to. me let me give it to you like this i believe that that does happen oh tell me in some spaces i think if you're a big church if you're pulling in a million dollars, mm, okay. if you are keeping the lights on for, for the for the conference and all the other churches, you might get that that respect, right? That conversation with the board, you know, visitation. You a small church, you you a wow. tiny church, and you ain't you ain't you ain't a big fish in the pond. You gonna get what you get. Mercy Jesus. You gonna get what you get. You probably not. You not probably not going to get the cream of the crop, which is um, unfortunate. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to get what you get, and you're going to have to deal with it. So, not only is that pastor victimized, but the church is victimized mm -hmm. as well because you're going to get you nine times. You're just going to get whomever whomever it is, and the church is not going to get what they want, and the pastor is not going to get what they want. So you just got to make it work. Mercy Jesus, right? Like that's. That's 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 the reality that I think that happens. Like I don't see these small churches really having an opinion or having a conversation in regard to whom they would, what kind it's of like pastor they Russian would like. Playing Russian roulette of sorts. And, like, you know, and then sometimes, yeah, <laughs> Russian roulette. And then sometimes they you know they're just like, we want somebody young. All right. Well, there's me needs to be more than just being yeah, young. Yeah, because someone can be young but have very traditional ways, right? Or conservative ways. Like you people will say young means, you know, fresh, new, dope, like the 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 the, the trends, like they are up on there's some there's some young pastors who have a very mature spirit, right? Um, and so it's like you gotta be careful when you say you want a young person, like does that person's spirit, does does their personality does the spiritual vision that they have, right, for, for for the church, is that aligned, right? Is it aligned? I want to read what Gamal says. He says, churches will all tell you the following lies. One, we want to win the young people. <laughs> <laughs> Two, we want to do evangelism. Three, we want good preaching. Four, we want to change things for the better. He was like, they are usually lying. <laughs> Facts. Go in there and maintain. Oh, God. Right? Go in there. Go in there and maintain. Essentially. Essentially. Uh, Rodney says, now I feel that pastors walk into churches who are in trauma. Either they they loved the last pastor or hate the last pastor. And the new pastor has to deal with the trauma. So by the time you unpack all the trauma, <laughs> it's time for you to go. It's time for you to go. And then you, you, look, you look back at uh, green pastures where you were before. And <laughs> you like. You know, I hated them, but I'll come back. I'll go back. You didn't hate them, Jamie. You didn't hate them. I, I didn't like them that much, but I'll go back. 
Um, Candace says, I'm telling y'all, the switching up of pastors is doing way more harm than good. Yo, you talk about, you didn't, we didn't even talk I about what it does to the kids. Forget about the kids. <laughs> yeah, talk we about- talk, but I'm thinking like the, the switching up of the pastors, I think it is, there is, there is harm to it, especially if the pastor, I think if the pastor is doing an amazing job. And when I say that, if the, if the pastor and the congregation, they're aligned, I feel as though, yes, but when there is no alignment, Members are calling the conference office talking about, please move this past the today. Right. Because we are, we can't do this anymore. Because, because there's no, there, something that, the, something that's in the professional world is not in the Adventist over. church, mm-hmm. right? Does not carry over. And I'll say this too, and we can be very unprofessional. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like succession planning or a transitional plan. Facts. I right? feel like that deserves some horns right there. Yeah, like yes. succession planning. So after a yes. certain amount of years or the time that the pastor is about to leave, administration knows when they want to start moving pastors. Yes. They know. They have a timeline. Okay, what is the succession planning that's going to go into place? Yes. Right? Like we're already going to have conversations. We've had conversations with the pastor. We're having conversations with the church. We want to know at this date we're going to move. Who are some people we should look at? Who will carry this the same way? But you also got this like, man, you know, you also got this game or this thing that happens where it's like, yo, we got to move a pastor out because we don't like the way that he was running the church and we got to get the church back. So we're going to put in our man or our woman that's going to bring the church back to where we want it, to where the conference wants it to be. Mm -hmm. Even if the church was successful in doing ministry and things like that. So you got that dynamic that plays into it as well. So many things. And then like, you know, so with the succession planning, we're thinking about, okay, yes, this person is good. And then even with that, right, you may call the name of an individual that will be good. And if the administration don't like that person Mercy or it feels Jesus. like that person ain't going to fit, <laughs> then boom, it doesn't happen. So, you know, it's... <sighs> <laughs> There's just, I, I, I feel like this is what it is for me. This is what it is. This is, this is it for me. What it is for me is this. Call a spade a spade. Call a spade a spade. Like call it what it is. I think what we often do is we we spiritualize this thing. <laughs> we spiritualize this thing in the name of Jesus. And we know it is not in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of man. It's in the name of whoever it is. Let's let's go ahead. And I'm not saying it for all, all things, but what I'll say is this. It's like, I remember when I was a teenager, I sat on my first nominating committee in church. I was excited. Because I felt like this is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing to be in this space, to be able to choose individuals to lead different ministries. I was excited. Now, I was a young person, but I was on fire for Jesus. Like, I was just like, yo, like, this is like, oh my gosh, right? So I remember the very first meeting we had, we sat down. 
and people just went ham in terms of <laughs> when there was a name that was called, it was almost like people were opening up the books <laughs> that Jesus has apparently just opening the books and just talking about all the things that they're not. And I remember mid meeting, I was like, I feel like we need to stop. I, I actually told them, the people, especially the, including the pastor, because the pastor was a chairman. I remember saying something like, I'm disappointed in the fact that you did not even open this thing with prayer, <laughs> but we are, we are trying to spiritualize it. We're going to try to spiritualize it and ask God's blessing on it after we have already in our mind made up who it is that we want to be in those positions. Right. And I remember being so disappointed and being so like, yo, this is what churches like. This is what they this is what they do behind the scenes. Like yeah. how they bring people's sins to the surface <laughs> because they don't want that particular person in office based on stuff that probably happened years ago. Again, like and I'm not talking about like all sins. I'm not talking about like molestation and all that stuff, but I'm just talking about like maybe they didn't pay their tithe this month or other things they were bringing up. And I was just so disappointed. Like this cannot be how leaders are coming together to choose leaders. Like you didn't even ask for the Holy Spirit to, 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 to impress on your mind about the right people. They already came with names on their in their list to be like this is who I want in there. Yeah. And I, so again, I feel like what? No, go ahead. You finish the statement. I I'll, I'll respond to I it. I feel like call a spade like we sometimes over spiritualize this thing when when real talk is 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 straight up man. Yeah. In this thing, it's more man than it is God. And then we try to say let's pray or we try to say let's like God the Lord led. Yeah. Did he really or did you lead and then you ask God's permission after or you ask God to bless it? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've yeah, sat and I've, done. <laughs> I've sat and chaired some spiritually led nominating committees and then some also some physically led nominating committees. But I think I'll just put this this general statement out there. I think once you're once you're working with people and you got offices that come with power, it loses, it's very hard for it to remain spiritual and for it to remain truly God-driven and God-led. Hmm. Um, because it's it's political, it's voting, it's it's choosing who you want and making it seem like what you want is what God wants. Hmm. Because God speaks to, and, and the thing that, that, that I'm going to say is like everybody will say God spoke to them, mm. but we won't collectively say that God spoke to us. Mm. So God spoke to me and said, this person should be in office. But sometimes that can be that can be riddled with flesh because, you know, you have some people that want this person in office because this person will give them what they want. Mm -hmm. Right. Or this person will help us get to where we need to be. And that and I think, like you said, call a spade a spade. It's like, let's admit that this is a political process because this is the process that's across the board. Mm -hmm. This is in corporations. This is in 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 with the United States of America. Right. right. This is all that to, we put people in office because we feel like this is we can get what we want. I think sometimes we have a different expectation of the church because we 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 start with God, right. and then after that, 
no more. Let's get to business, right? right? Board meetings, all of that different type of stuff. So, and that's why I said, you know, sometimes ministry churches create toxic communities Mm -hmm. where people are really driven by what they want because Mm -hmm. they honestly, for some reason, sometimes think what they want is what God wants, Mm. right? And it's not collectively for the good. And and they may think it's collectively good for the church. Mm -hmm. And they're not willing to listen. They Mm -hmm. just really politic and move because my my 15 years of Mm -hmm. ministry, the one thing that I have discovered is People generally don't leave churches because of doctrinal issues. People leave because they don't get what they want. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, most of the people that I know that I've pastored and when they've gone somewhere else, it was probably a fight because they wanted something and may I have I may have disagreed with it or I've done something a different way. Mm-hmm. And they leave because they don't get what they want. Some people leave because they don't get what they want. And then there's some that don't get what they want and they just wait you out until they get what they want, mm-hmm. until they get the person that they want in there. Mm-hmm. And then that person begins to start bringing them back into power. Mm-hmm. That person begins to start giving them platforms because that's the one thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it happens on both sides. You'll have... Um, You'll have some pastors, when you're getting assigned to a new church, they'll tell you, watch out for these members. Right. And then, you know, uh, but then also you have some members, when they get a new meet, new pastor, you don't get the history. And so, you know, they present themselves as there to help and right. there to support. And then you they get back in their positions. Then you got one half of the church that's mad because they back up in their position. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's a, a lot. It's just, it's just draining. Yeah, it is very draining. Um, Orville says it is not just the Adventist church. He says there are other churches where the politics are much worse. It's people with unconverted hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's that's I, a spade. I think, like right. call a spade a spade. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly that. And I think we need to stop acting like people with unconverted hearts don't go to the church. Like people, people in the church are not different from the people that are in the boardrooms. Humans are humans. Mm-hmm. And once you attach power and position to certain things, it's gonna be political, it's gonna be messy. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be trifling. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be casualties. Mm -hmm. There are going to be casualties no matter what you do. Somebody is going to get damaged. Somebody's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And we have to sit down and ask ourselves this question. Is this what God left for his representatives here on earth Mm. to carry the message? I think that's what it comes down to. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, is this, and if I were to be honest, if I were to answer now, I would definitely answer to say, I don't think so. I don't Mm. think so at all. I think we're mimicking a lot of what the Pharisees and those um, political leaders who are usurping people or, and I'm not saying that the Adventist church or Christianity is that, but I'm just like, it, it just seems like this seems sounds familiar. Um, And I think what at the heart of it, and I think at the heart of it, it's really, for me, it's a call for you to really have your own relationship with God, for Mm -hmm. you to really thirst after God, because that, I feel like a church won't be able to quench your thirst. A pastor won't be able to quench your thirst. 
Um, I think, I think the, the power is really in who really can quench our thirst, which is God, which is Jesus. Right. And so I think when we focus more of our attention on Jesus fill, uh, uh, quenching that thirst, I feel like the pressure would be a lot less off of pastors to kind of do those things that will, that we're craving, right? We're, we're expecting for a man to quench it and no man can quench that thirst. Only God can. I think once we realize like the, our need for God more than our need for a man to quench our thirst, I feel like that's where we'll, we'll find true purpose in actually walking into the building and saying like, yeah, you're not going to quench my thirst, but I'm here because it actually uh, tills my land or, or uh, it cultivates, you know, this thirst that God is quenching. It, it kind of, it, it brings me to that place of like, like, yes, God, like you are the one that I, I need, not, not a man yeah. or a woman, um, not a woman or a man, like I need you. And so I think that is at the core of it where we start, re stop relying so much on people and rely on on God. Yeah. And I think that, I think one of the ways to break up the toxicity is spending less time in the building. Um, and I think creating True. more community. True. Right. I think that creating more spaces um, on a Sabbath morning or during the week to just come together. Mm -hmm. Just come together. Let's come, like the Last Supper that Jesus had, it wasn't a little tiny piece of bread. And a little cup of grape juice. Right. It was a whole meal. A whole meal. You know, communion was a whole meal. Mm -hmm. Fruits and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they just came together, you know. So I think that I think that when we we sometimes have these unexpected expectations for something to quench my thirst. Yeah. When I think sometimes what we're just really quenching is community. And connectivity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we can create those opportunities for church to change church to just be like a gathering and sometimes and where it's just laid back and chill and people can just be themselves, mm -hmm. that there's not the formality of the praise team to perform, the mm -hmm. pastor to perform. Because, y'all, it gets tiring. Yeah, It gets very tiring trying to figure out how you're going to outdo what you did last week. Yeah, It is very hard um, to do that on a weekly basis. But, mm -hmm. you know, if we can create opportunities for community, honestly, uh, get rid of some of the offices and all the offices that we put, we place people in positions because mm -hmm. they look like they fit that position and we think that they'll do it. And then what happens maybe like within three or four months, nothing happens, mm -hmm. right? So I think like there's, there's just a need to break up the norm and how do we intentionally create community? I don't have the answer to that, but I do believe that I think that might be the answer to providing a, a spiritually safe space for leaders and for worshipers. Mm -hmm. Like what does it mean to be the priesthood of all believers, mm -hmm. not just the priest and then the believers, right? Right. Of all, <laughs> of all believers. Mm -hmm. So, but I think the answer is, I think we set the answer. I think the answer is depending more on God so that I think when you depend more on God, you see less of man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see, I think yeah. you see less, less 
you see the humanity of men and you accept to be like, yeah, you, you straight yeah, human. Like, all, I know you, you, but you, you straight human. Yeah. You straight, right? and then, yeah. And then you look at some of the stuff we fight for or some of the fires I've had to put out. You're like, what's it for? Yeah. It's power. Like, it's, like at the end of the day, what was it really for? What, mm-hmm. what are we going to gain from this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love what Orville said. He says, no one had enough gimmicks to keep up. We live in a society where Jesus isn't enough. Mercy, that could preach. Mm. The end. Thank you so much for coming to this, uh, to come into our podcast. God because bless he you. just literally just like. He just dropped the mic. He, he just, completely just. He just broke the internet. He just completely just says that Jesus isn't enough. That's it. Right. And uh, yeah. that's it. Our, I, our actions, our actions show our, our, how we operate is showing that Jesus isn't enough. Just. Jesus. And that's what I was talking about last week. Remember, yeah. I was just like, yo, like, I don't want the the stuff. I just want Jesus. Like, yeah. I feel like, like we reach or we, we look to things yeah. and people to fill that void, the void that God placed within us for him to fill, not other people. And I feel as though like we act it's like before you say what you have to say, it's like when, when we talked about prayerlessness and, and Jackie said it in her thing, like prayerlessness is as a result of us. It's a humility issue where we're saying, Jesus, Jesus, you know what? I don't need you. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not humble enough or we have the pride to say, I need me more than I need God. Like, I don't have to pray to him today because. I can function. I can do all the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. It's like we're not we're not acknowledging our need for God when we say we don't want to pray or we're not we don't want to we don't want to pray to God, mm-hmm. right? It's like we're taking it in and of ourselves, like saying I'm enough to fulfill what I need when I need you, God. When I'm my back is up against the wall, I'm gonna holler at you then. But other than that, like I'm just gonna treat you like I don't need you, mm-hmm. right? And so I think speaking to what Orville just said, like. We really act as though Jesus isn't enough for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like the song says, give me Jesus. You may have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Right. Listen. Right. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, the, and that's like a whole nother episode that I would love to unpack because honestly, if we're truthfully speaking, the Jesus that we read about, that we pray to, that we worship, mm. if he were on earth, we probably would not like him very much. No, we would hate him because we would say, who is this renegade? Like, who is this right. he'll come, rebel? Right. Because he'll walk straight up in the church and flip over the communion <laughs> table. Like, and you already doing? know, don't touch you that communion touch table because that, that communion table is holy. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't even, you can't even literally touch it, right? So, you know, when we talk about give me Jesus, you got to realize you accepting this uh, homeless renegade that was really passionate about poor Mm, people, mm -hmm. really against the system, the status quo, Mm -hmm. and was all about empowerment and liberation, Mm -hmm. who spent less time inside of a building Mm -hmm. and more time outside Mm -hmm. and talking to people that we would not ordinarily talk to Mm-mm. people that we would overlook because you know sometimes in churches we like people that can flatter us people that can contribute people that will make the parking lot look nice mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. so you know 
what do we really mean when when we say we want Jesus? And is that Jesus that walked the Jesus of Nazareth enough? Right. right. Is he enough? Mm. Is his ministry that he showed us as his example, as an example, is that enough? Mm-hmm. It's like we're saying, like, what Jesus showed us, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to do, we have to do, we have to do so much more than what he did. And Jesus is like, yo, like, it's really at the base of the, the it's, it's the basic. Yeah. And that Jesus. Love others, right? Mm-hmm. Put yourself ab- above others. Be kind. You know, yeah, fight for the poor. And that Jesus, and we could close on this. Well, I got something else I want to say. But that Jesus would quench all thirst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Jesus would mm-hmm. quench all thirst. Mm-hmm. So we spent over time. <laughs> we went yeah, longer we than we were supposed to. We did. But, um, but I, I want to say this to any pastor that's listening. I just want you to know that you are enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to know that you are called. I want you to know that you have unique gifts, unique abilities, and that unfortunately, uh, unfortunately and fortunately, however you look at it, you are a target. You are a target of the enemy. And you are not what people have told you. You are not what people have said about your ministry. You are not any of those negative things, but that you definitely have value and you bring value to any space you're in and to wherever you are. And I'm praying continually for your strength to not get weary and Mm well-doing. I'm praying for your mind. I'm praying for your mentals because you suffer in silence. You can't talk to nobody. You can't even talk to your spouse because your spouse probably doesn't understand what you go through and the stuff that you hide from them in board meeting because you don't want to bring that home because you don't want to cast people in a bad light or whatever. But I just want you to know that um, that you are enough and that um, and that you are, you know, when you talk about understanding who you are enough, I want you to be very mindful about who you are listening to, who is in your ear. And who are you letting play constantly in your brain? Because if you let that stuff in, you're going to start living according to that. Mm. And you're going to start, uh, what's the word, uh, shaping your ministry in in light of those negative comments. And so you really got to go back to the word and just remember why you accepted to be in ministry, what you're there for. But just at the end of the day, you are enough, you belong, and... Haters are going to arise. People that love you are going to arise. But at the end of the day, it's what God says and that um, and that you belong. So that's my word to anybody, young person, older person, whoever you are, that person that wants to quit, that person that wants to give up. At the end of the day, God is going to tell you where to move and how to move. But I just want you to be careful about who you're listening to. Mm-hmm. And you are not what nasty people have said about you. Mercy. You are what God says about you. Mm-hmm. That's good. I feel um, that was good. I appreciate you saying that to the women and men in ministry as they um, go through this. And I want to, um, I want to say to you that you are enough. Oh, thank you, sweetie. You are enough, and that you are 
um, that you are evidence of the grace of God and you are evidence of how when God literally puts his hand on you, how he delivers you, how he um, helps you and, um, you know, helps you and allow you to be who you are today. Um, success isn't measured by anything other than your connection to God. And I'm very um, honored to be able to see that connection to God every single day. So I know that you are enough and this was great. Jesus, Jesus is enough. I receive it. I receive it. And just another confession. We're going to go back to the old set. We're going to go back to the Oh, office. you don't like this? Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I look down or like I don't know it feels kind of weird mm, it feels kind of weird. weird but yeah so y'all let us know y'all let us know people if say they like it they I mean do. I, I think, think it's, it's just but... because, because I just don't like getting dressed up like the whole shebang so now, so now you I got jeans now. on it's, it's 10 o'clock at night so now you letting everybody know yeah I, I don't put on I only dress from the waist up alright but it is what it is. It is what it is. This is Carlene. And this is Jamie. Peace. You guys Signing be blessed. Out. Peace. We love you guys.